in 50 years, mankind has reached goals that never before they even dared to dream of. Man has vanquished distances, ruled the air, has accomplished the greatest achievements. Only one thing man has not achieved. Avoid podcasts, remove movie reviews, trust in tomorrow. Somos real Latinos. Hola y bienvenidos a Relatinos. My name is Ismael and I can see into your future. This is Guti and he will be inheriting millions. ¿Qué pasó? ¿Qué pasó, mi gente? And this is Ron, who will help you change a flat tire. ¿Qué tal? And we are Relatinos, a podcast covering Latin American movies because nobody else will. Gentlemen, today my voice is dying. Your boy is sick. Um, But you know what? Sounds sexy though, buddy. You're oh, thanks, fine. Thanks. You're fine. <laughs> Thank you very much. Use that rasp. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is what the people have been clamoring for, you know? Um, all our all our reviews on Apple Podcasts have been why isn't Ismail's voice more raspy? Well, I'm just giving the people what they want, and then we'll look at the feedback and see if I'm gonna bring this back or not. So yeah. Um, yeah, man, been kind of sick, but no matter what, Relatinos is out here ready for the fans. So before we begin today's episode of En La Palma de Tu Mano, we want to give a huge, huge shout out to a couple people that we've had on the show for the past two, two uh, episodes. So first off, we'd like to uh, give our sincerest thank yous to um, Yoli from the Spaghetti and Freddy podcast and for Ev. Ev, or, uh, uh, someone that we we hold very near and dear to our hearts, uh, uh, someone that we met over in the... 70 millimeter uh discord um because they teamed up together las rio latinas they teamed up together again to cover from dust till dawn because ron really fumbled it and made us cover anaconda instead and um the public just couldn't take it they could not take that and so they needed from dust till dawn in their veins and yoli and have provided so thank you so much yoli and ev for um uh recording that episode for us it was fantastic i loved it uh great chris chemistry as always yeah. love their love their stuff yeah and i mean the public obviously was you know uh it, the, the the numbers don't lie <laughs> yeah. you know um people apparently wanted to listen to from dust till dawn a lot more than they wanted to listen to anaconda or maybe they just wanted to listen to Yoli and Ev more than oh, they wanted to listen to us. Based Who, off, I, I, based I off I our mean, you know, Roma we, yeah. episode, I think it's Yoli and Ev. I think it's very clear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, yep. Yeah. Dynamic duo right there. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic They're, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> They're really truly amazing. And uh we thank you again for um for joining for joining us here. Well not joining us, for taking over. For taking over the show. So thank you so much. For doing you, our jobs for better doing than we our, do them. Exactly. Exactly. Uh we're gonna be out of a job very soon. So, you know, get ready, boys. Yeah, but, <laughs> it's, uh, we're gonna have to go look for new jobs um and then on top of that we'd also really like to extend a uh, huge gratitude over to the podzilla boys jay sure and micah drake um over from the podzilla show um their podcast covering um godzilla movies and all kaiju movies in uh uh, uh in order release uh, chronological that's the word <laughs> they cover they cover the godzilla movies in a chronological order um and they just started their season three um but they were also very very kind to uh lend us over uh the audio that we recorded over there for them for their pacific rim episode um last week we just uh, you know life happens and we just couldn't record but the the drake boys over in podzilla they were kind and gracious enough to um uh, to pass on over their their um their audio file for Pacific Rim, and um yeah we just want to say really like thank you so so much for that because uh one it saved our ass and two um you guys are the best and honestly uh we're really really glad that we have that over on our feed now so that um uh if they have not caught it over there on Podzilla which please 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 go give them a listen um but uh I mean it's also Noir November isn't it Guti? Yeah, is it, it is. not November this month? Absolutely, baby. This is this yeah. is my time. I love this month. It's my favorite. It's yeah. like another holiday, you know. Just going right from Halloween to November, 
Thanksgiving, yeah, it's pretty good, but you know, usually it's not it's not that good, you know, not great for the waistline. Uh, and then we go into Christmas, so we're just we're just on a roll with holidays. I love it. On a roll, on an absolute roll. And Guti's pick today is the 1951 film "En la Palma de Tu Mano," directed by Roberto Gabaldon. Uh, Roberto, uh, we'll, we'll get into it in the episode. Come on, what am I doing? Um, but Guti, you're all about that noir stuff. You picked the noir, so why don't you give us some historical context on this noir coming out of Mexico? Of course. During the golden age of Mexican cinema in 1940s and 50s, a distinct genre emerged in Mexico known as Cine Negro, which was heavily influenced by the American film noir style. Cine Negro has many similarities to the American film noir, such as its dark and atmospheric visual style, with high contrast lighting and shadowy cinematography, and explored some of the same themes of crime, corruption, and moral ambiguity. However, there are a few key differences between the two. While American film noir reflects the post-World War II American experience with themes of disillusionment, paranoia, and the dark side of the American dream, Cine Negro is rooted in Mexican culture and society, often exploring issues specific to Mexico of the time, such as corruption, poverty, and social inequality. Furthermore, while American film noir draws heavily from German expressionism and French poetic realism, Cine Negro is also influenced by Mexican art and literature, incorporating elements of Mexican culture and folklore into its narratives. The film we are discussing today is directed by one of the most notable directors associated with Cine Negro, Roberto Gabaldon. Gabaldon directed many films within Cine Negro, including La Otra, La Noche Avanza, Rosario Castro, and many more. However, an argument can be made that En la Palma de tu Mano is the very best of his explorations into Cine Negro. For this film, Garvalón was joined by frequent collaborator José Revueltas, who co-wrote the screenplay with him and Luis Spota. Revueltas was a prominent Mexican writer, essayist, and political activist, whose work often explored themes of social injustice, inequality, and the struggles of the working class. He was known for his powerful and provocative writing style, which challenged the status quo and exposed the flaws of Mexican society, making his writing ripe for Cine Negro. The film was mostly shot in Mexico City, La Ciudad de Mexico, excuse me, the famous Churubusco Studios. Upon release, the film mm. was critical success, receiving 11 Ariel nominations and winning three for Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Actor. Today, En la Palma de tu Mano has gained international recognition as one of the best examples of the Cine Negro genre in Mexico. Man, all those Ariel Awards nominations are warranted. Am I right, Guti? Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Um, but before we spoil anything else, why doesn't Ron go ahead and spoil the whole movie for us? So, um... If you have not seen En La Palma de Tu Mano, please, please, please go over to YouTube and watch it all the way through with English subtitles because we care about the Real Latinos fans. Um, but now, without further ado, Ron will provide us with a synopsis for En La Palma de Tu Mano. Cesar Jaime Carin is a highly respected medium in Mexico City. Like most other mediums, Professor Carin is a fraud that preys on lonely widows and gullible mothers. <laughs> when he isn't being a total creep and spying on women from behind paintings, he has his girlfriend Clara, a stylist and housekeeper, get information on prospective marks so that he can fake his clairvoyance. Clara informs Carin of the passing of the wealthy Vittorio Romano and the young widow left behind. Karine uses Clara's intel and his conman abilities to discern that Ada, the widow, was having an affair with Romano's nephew, Leon. He tells her that he has proof of her infidelity and that Ada and Leon murdered Romano. Under threat of Karine going to the authorities, Ada and Leon are blackmailed by Karine and extorted out of thousands of pesos. Ada initially wants to kill Karine, but realizes what a silver fox he is, and she falls in love with him. <laughs> Clara worries that she'll lose Karine, but he gaslights her and begins an affair with Ada. Ada and Karine decide that they need to get rid of Leon, but plot twist, Ada also tells Leon that they need to get rid of Karine. Ada tricks Karine and Leon into going to a remote cabin alone together where Karine kills Leon. Karine returns to Clara, but she calls him out on his behavior and leaves him. 
Ada and Kareem continue their toxic relationship of alternately blackmailing one another and then having sex. Everything blows up in their faces when Romano's will is read, and it's realized that Ada and Leon are both beneficiaries and both need to sign in order to receive their inheritance. Since Leon's whereabouts are unknown, Ada can't get anything. Ada convinces Kareen to dig up Leon's corpse and leave it somewhere so that he'll be pronounced dead and she'll be the sole beneficiary. After a close call with the motorcycle cop, they leave the corpse to be mutilated on some train tracks. The police take Ada in for questioning and Kareen in to identify the body. Before being led into the morgue, Kareen confesses to Leon's murder and implicates Ada. The police take his confession and arrest Ada before leading Kareen back to the morgue and revealing to him that Leon's was not the body that he was brought in to identify. Kareen is then shown Clara's body and the suicide note she left for him before he is taken into custody. Oh my god. I love how cool the the cops play it when he's like, I know why I'm here. I know what that body is. I'll tell you everything. And they're like, all right. Why don't you go ahead and tell us everything? And by the way, not the body that you were thinking of. Oh my god. What an ending. What a twist ending. Woo! Alright. So well, let, let's get down to the nitty-gritty for this movie. Um and I mean since I was talking about the ending right now, let's talk about the writing. The writing is very well done here. Um I don't know how much of the script um uh, I don't know how much of the script is a hundred percent what is in the movie, just because I know that um, uh, the lead actor for Karin, his name is Arturo de Cordova. He's known for being very like loquacious, if I may use a big word, um, and he has got some amazing, amazing lines in this movie. I'd like to share some with you all now. Uh, one of my favorite ones was. Los Nazis lo usaron mucho durante la guerra. Uh, this, he's talking about the gun. Los Nazis lo usaron mucho durante la guerra. Parece que no les agradaban las detonaciones cuando querían eliminar a alguien. Qué extraño. Amaban tanto la música de Wagner. And it's basically him saying, you know, Nazis used this gun during the war because it didn't really make much noise. Um, it seems like they didn't really like the detonation when they were going to eliminate someone. How strange. When they loved Wagner's music, I was like, "Ooh, delicious!" That was such a delicious line. Um, but uh, I'll pass it on over to someone else before I say another one because I got a couple in here. So, Guti, how's the writing for this movie, in your opinion? Oh, I thought the I thought the writing was brilliant. Um, mm -hmm. There's so much foreshadowing and, and different lines in here that, like, I was just amazed um, how he was able to kind of interweave so many themes of noir. Um, just by, you know, character dialogue. It's almost like as if the writer was kind of talking to me. Again, uh, I, I didn't know Arturo de Cordova was, uh, you know, I didn't know he was uh, known for, for, you know, getting in there and doing his own thing. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of this kind of makes sense. Um, so, like, for example, one one line that I really liked is, like, when they're, you know, he goes and gets his fortune from the, from the you know the the pajaro and the, the street vendor and you know mm -hmm. in the fortune it says uh, vas a matar tu amigo right you're gonna kill your best friend um and then the other one where he's like you don't do all you don't do all you can and you do all that you shouldn't which for me that line in particular was mm -hmm. kind of like that's basically the heart of the war like greed overzealous middle class reaching for the upper class right that's what he's doing the entire time in this film um but yeah i i thought that the script was was probably one of the best things of this film by far mm. oh man i got a, i got another one i got another one uh this one's about uh when the he goes into the restaurant and then the waitress says like oh um can you tell me like who's gonna win uh, a race tomorrow and then he says, <clears throat> Pero mi querida señora, si yo pudiera esa clase de profecías, ya estaría podrido en dinero. La condición de nuestro oficio es el desinterés. Las fuerzas sobrenaturales que nos ayudan se vengaría si lucráramos con la chispa divina que llevamos dentro. Eso es cosa de charlatanes. Um, and that basically translates to, Oh, my dear lady, if I could... Um, if I could with those sort of prophecies, I would be sp spoiled rotten with money. Uh, the condition of our, um, 
the condition of our profession is that of disinterest. Um, the supernatural forces who help us um, would uh, take vengeance on us if we are lucrative with even a chip of the divine that they have uh, that we have uh, in ourselves. Um, it's like such beautiful writing. It's like, or not, not, I don't know if it's the writing. It might be the writing. I need to check out the script, but the delivery is just absolutely outstanding. I think the best way I could say is, I think it's like delicious. It's like so, so good. It's like, I love what, what they're saying in here. Another one is, um, uh, nunca te quedes en la mitad del camino. Ve siempre hasta el fin, hasta lo último, hasta lo hondo. Solo los espíritus cobardes se quedan en la superficie. Um, and that translates to uh, uh, never go, go halfway on down the road. Um, always go to the end, uh, to the ultimate, to the most deep. Um, only cowardly spirits uh, stay on the superficial. I'm like, oh my God, this is like amazing <laughs> i really really like um what they're saying and then the last one that i'll give is one that actually gives them a little bit of like heart um to karin because i mean if let's be honest karin is kind of a, just a greedy bastard as um noirs always show us um but uh one one thing he does say to carmelita carmelita is the the uh lady that sells him the newspapers outside um uh, down on the street um, he reads basically that her son has died and he like, doesn't have the heart to tell her that he's, that he's gone. And so, um, he says the following, he says that this is what his son wrote. Well, this is what her son wrote when in reality, her son has died. He says, También escucho su voz. Oh no, wait, no, this is actually him looking into the, looking into his orb, basically like trying to see where her son is and she says no he uh, Karin says también escucho su voz que dice en mi pecho no hay odio ni rencores ni envidias ni malas ambiciones estoy en paz por fin estoy en paz uh, which translates to i also hear his voice and it tells me in my uh, chest there is no hate no um rencores i don't know how to translate that one as much um, but it's also like, like, um, like jealous, jealous rage, uh, ni envidias, envidias is jealousy, um, ni malas ambiciones, no bad ambitions. I'm at peace. Finally, I'm at peace. It's just so like amazing delivery of these lines. And I think that's like one of the few times we actually see Karin being like an actual human who cares about someone else other than himself. And, um, I just thought it was beautiful. I really thought it was beautiful. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts, y'all's thoughts on his relationship, Karin's with uh, Carmelita? Any any thoughts at all? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I that scene that you specifically just called out right now, I think is important to have in there because it kind of <sighs> like, humanizes it, him. It, well, it makes it makes his character complex, right? And like, at least from from what I've seen and read, like that's always kind of like a trait of the hero in film or the anti-hero in film noir is like this, these morally mm -hmm. ambiguous characters, right? Sometimes they're like, they're righteous Joe and they fall down the, you know, they fall down the, the, <laughs> the pit. Um, and sometimes mm -hmm. they're kind of like this guy, right? Where he's kind of like, technically he's like, Oh, I'm just blackmailing these. Like, he, well, he plays it nonchalantly. Like, Oh, I'm just blackmailing, mm -hmm. you know, these women, it's not that big of a deal. Yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. uh, until he finally meets his ultimate match. Um, but I think that that's just so important. And I think it's hilarious talking about kind of the lines in here is that in that first reading that we, we see, um, he kind of talks about like, you know, you, you know, talking to the, to the woman that he's blackmailing, you know, you must give his husband, her husband, who's allegedly cheating on, on her. Right. Essentially that's what he's saying in, in the, in the prophecy. It's like, you must mm -hmm. give him the illusion of freedom. Don't break the triangle. And that's kind of like yeah. what happens throughout the film, right? You have this car, this triangle with Carmelita, um, uh, and him. And, you know, once Carmelita has to, you know, she decides to break that triangle, that's kind of where everything kind of just falls apart. Um, 
but you know i thought that their relationship is very much kind of like what you'll see in like other films like vertigo and, and double indemnity where there's always like the idyllic the idyllic girl that you should be with right but you decide not to be with her because she's bland she's boring and like she's not as exciting and as ambitious as whoever the other girl is who's usually the femme fatale and that's kind of uh-huh. how those three play out and I, I thought it was done really well here yeah um i do think that uh we're talking about different people though i think you're talking about clara clara stein though the oh, idyllic shit. woman that, that he wants to be with i was talking about carmelita the one that like gives him the newspapers Wow. And like is outside. <laughs> yeah, God, I didn't you, want to ruin your uh, your role. You should have yeah, so. just cut me off, dude. No, 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 no. That's good. That's really good. Like it's, a, uh, I mean, it's all totally like valid, like noir stuff, you know. <laughs> like, and that's why we hired you. <laughs> so this is this is great. Whatever. Um, <laughs> but uh, but uh, Ron, do you have anything to add about Carmelita or or Clara? Um. Hmm. Sure. Uh, so yeah, for yeah. the the Carmelita thing, um, I uh, it, it it's funny because I and it's probably because I'm such a skeptic when it comes to uh, uh stuff like this. But um, it it's funny that you read it as like his interactions with Carmelita as, as far as like um the letter about her dead son, mm-hmm. um like I, I I think your reading of it is uh, like like you're saying that like he's being a little protective of her about it um whereas, yeah like, i i saw it as like he's got a heart at least to like not break her heart you know or like uh, or, or maybe he's just so cowardly that's that how i read like, it i read it yeah. as like he's like he's avoiding you know like mm-hmm. um conflict <laughs> yeah that yeah. and then like well if um you know then if his if her son's dead and he's supposed to be clairvoyant then like that's gonna you know um mm-hmm. lead to like her asking more questions or whatever and stuff so yeah like i kind of saw it as him uh, uh, uh avoiding uh you know stuff like that gosh you're um, right you're right so, i mean who knows i don't you know, you know well I, I don't know. Knows. you're probably right <laughs> I mean, that, that goes back to one again like you don't do all you can and you do all that you shouldn't like he oh. basically doesn't do everything that he should which is basically yeah. be honest and tell her hey yeah. like, this is what happened um and yeah. by not telling her and giving her this like false narrative yeah um he's doing everything that he shouldn't so again it just plays out he, like that. even at the end when he like he he gives her the envelope with the money at the end and he says like oh your, your son sent this you know to you yeah. but like would he like but he thought he was done for you know at that moment he thought yeah. that the police right. were taking him yeah, to jail yeah. so if he didn't think that there's no he way he would have never done her it. that money yeah, so no you chance. know it wasn't like altruistic it was just because he's like all right well i'm screwed so i might as well, well you fuck know, give it, this you cash know? To, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah um yeah so but again i don't know like i'm a pessimist so who, who knows i'm, I'm yeah. sure that he he had a heart of gold somewhere in, no um, no in, in no there. absolutely no heart of gold <laughs> I do. let me be let me be clear Karin is a piece of shit, <laughs> and I, I do not condone no. any of his actions. Um, uh, and you know he might be a coward. Maybe he's just a freaking coward. But um, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, he also didn't really have to get rid of that money either, you know. But at the same time, eh, yeah, he, he would never do it. He would never do it in a million years. So, yeah, Karin, yeah. totally. Oh, okay, so like, I do want to talk about like his character though, and a lot of it is the way he plays him. Yeah. Um, because like he is more or less a likable dude. Like he's got a ton of charisma. Um, Ooh, and, like, yes. you know, Oh yes. And, and that's the thing that I'm drawn to in like with noirs or, or, you know, like, um, just anything like dramatic that, you know, has like a, um, like a morally gray central character. Um, yeah. because like, I, like, I don't think anyone would, would make the argument that you know like the things that he's he's doing are okay but um i i think him and a lot of the the lead characters in these um these stories um i think they recognize that like the things that they're doing aren't great but they're not that bad you know what i mean like they don't see themselves as bad people and like you could probably make the argument that they're they're not bad people 
they just do a lot of like do not great things. stuff. But then, <laughs> yeah. like, and, and that's really the th- like the thing that I'm drawn to when it comes to this stuff because I like I'm I'm always fascinated with like how many you know like how many little right things make up for one big wrong thing or vice versa things like that um mm-hmm. and like some of the other you know like things that we've we've um uh some of the other movies that we've we've brought up um you know like let's talk about Margos or like even stuff like like nightmare alley or um yeah yeah yeah, uh, yeah. Like, i mean even uh babylon you know um there's mm-hmm. uh the, you know, like I love the complexity of of the characters, even if I don't really like them. Like I appreciate like how many layers they are to these characters because like this this is a dude that I I could know. This is a dude that I probably do know. Like we probably know a lot of people like this that like make excuses for their you know their their behavior that like take advantage of you know like of others or take advantage of situations yeah. and stuff in order to like yeah. make their lives better or whatever. And like um and I you know like if you put yourselves in in certain positions, like okay, well. If, um, if I'm able to make my life better, make like, you know, like a family member's life better or whatever, and it comes at the cost of someone else, but no one's going to know about it, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, like they're, you know, like I've listeners can't see, but right. I'm like, yeah, I'm doing the, like the weight thing with my hands. <laughs> like, um, and, uh, I'm, I'm fascinated by, by that. Like, I, I love stories like that. I love, um, complex characters like that. So. Um, yeah, yeah, I think he's, uh, it's a very well-written story. He's a very well-written and very well-acted protagonist, even if I mm. want to kick him in the dick. <laughs> right, 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 right. I mean, oh, yeah. man. Yeah, I mean, go for, I, it, go for it, go for it. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I mean, that's the reason why I like these films. That's why I like when most people are like, oh, well, like, I don't, I don't, I don't like what that character does in the film, or I don't like what this character does. Like, mm-hmm. at least sometimes it comes off to me that people kind of want, to watch jesus christ incarnate in like every single film <laughs> yeah. that they watch and to be honest i'm not drawn to that like i'm drawn to like <laughs> our flaws because we're all flawed human beings no one wants to go see right. you know mr right on the screen 24 7 mm-hmm. and so i think that's why i you know like you i'm also drawn and attracted to to film noir and then also you know the fact that you know the american dream you know occasionally in the past yes. few years has taken a yeah. few uh bullets and uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing too. Like, so so much of this stuff, like, is, there's some holes there. <laughs> um, well, like, a, a lot of stuff can be said about, um, like, the social commentary in in stories like this, and like, um, the reason that the characters make the choices that they make because of you know, like, their circumstances and things like that. You know, um, and I'm like, I'm just as fascinated with the the characters that come to him for for solace mm-hmm. or for answers or, or or things like that. You know. Um, I'm fascinated by Clara. Like, you know, why, why is, you know, like, why is she so enamored with, with the sky? Like, why is she with this person that like, from an outsider's perspective is clearly a bad yeah, dude for her. Clearly. Like, you know, clear, clearly, clearly a toxic one-sided relationship. Um, and like, and I'm not saying that he doesn't have any love for her, but like, um, it is definitely like not like the healthiest of relationships. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And you know, like, I don't, think it's it's that it's um it's not a stretch to say that like those relationships are uncommon um mm-hmm, and, you know right. like it's one of those like where you know you know like you'll see like a friend or a family member or like heck even yourself maybe from time to time like you know when you're in it you don't really see it um mm-hmm. and so that like i'm fascinated by that by that too so um yeah i just i don't know i i, I dig all this stuff and i think like all the characters are really fascinating the way they interact with each other and operate around each other yeah, I think Coletta's just as bad, dude. Cause like, didn't they say that they were like also courting like the black market when they were in Europe or some shit? Like, yeah, but that's <laughs> kind of like there. There's like I, I feel like there's a power dynamic there though. Like, I feel like she's like she seems like she just she wants to play everything straight, but she kind of just goes right, along with with, right. with his thing, you know. Um, that's true, and she said that she like just wants her job, and like she she yeah. feels like content with where they are mm-hmm. now, and yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, then man, you've got Ada, who is Serene's match in pretty Oof. much every way you know so let's talk about ada yeah no i'm just gonna say i mean Clara is also feeding it wasn't he wasn't she feeding him information on these ladies that are right. also yep. going up to it? so it's like yeah you know she's not perfectly honest either but yeah i mean i i get it you know yeah but that's also like like he's like i'm sure that he's like manipulating her for that you know it's like like um She's feeding him the information because she knows that like it'll make him happy 
so that you know like she'll get like whatever affection she you know she's craving from him or or whatever so or at least i'm mm-hmm. reading into that based on other <laughs> but that's kind of that's my read on it <laughs> but let's let's talk about um let's talk about um one of the stars of the show leticia palma um who plays ada cisneros de romano she is a cold-blooded killer and it's amazing to watch i know Guti, you've been uh wanting to talk about her so i'll give you the floor um yeah i mean like you mentioned she's fantastic in this film and one of the things that i loved most about her um really is her performance but how the makeup and hairstyling enhances her performance so um i thought i was trying to look up who the costume person was for this but i guess they only have credits for makeup and hairstyling so um the makeup was done by concepcion zamora and hairstyling was jose jurado and i don't know which one came up with the idea but Throughout the film, she's she's always seen in black, right? She's always has like a black veil over her face. And what I really loved about that touch is it kind of like goes in. It, it's kind of like a metaphor for this like web of deceit that she's building, right? As she's trying to entangle these men into her life, whether it's Leon or um, it's Karim. And so I really thought that that was great um, that they used that touch to put the black veil over her face. And then there's times where for example when they're in the cabin um or they're in her house her you know i guess her cobweb i guess you can kind of say um that she has her veil up right and like so at that point she feels confident she's basically telling them everything that they need to hear so i really like that touch that they kept playing with that with her costume throughout the throughout the film and then there's moments also where there's a couple shots where um, for example, when she's telling like Leon what they're going to do with Karin, um, that he, she's going to keep finding out more information. And there's a couple shots where like, she's making out with them, but it's kind of like, she starts making out with his neck and it kind of gave me the, the idea, like she's, she's almost like a vampire, right? Like basically she's drawing and sucking emotion, blood from these, oh, goody. from oh, these humans. Goodness. So this is I a mean, PG 13 show. I mean, those are all the, <laughs> those are all the things that I kind of picked up on. And I, I really like those, those small details that they threw in there with her character. Yeah. I, I, I dug the, you know, like every, like not every, but like mo- a lot of good noirs need a black widow, you know? Um, and, uh, I, 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 I dug how she goes toe to toe with Kareen and like mm. the way she plays it too. Uh, I don't I don't know if you guys noticed. I logged this three times because I did. I, I did see. <laughs> I, I, uh, you know, I the the first time I tried to watch it, it wasn't. Uh, you know, it was, it was at the end of a long day, and um, you know, I, I had some <laughs> some puzzle pieces that needed filling in, and then I same thing the next night. So it it, it took me three tries to to get through it all the way, but but um, you did it. You finally but, did. You it. know, but yeah, but like, but it's one of those things where like, okay, each time I watched it, like I saw. Like, I mean, obviously I saw different things. So I slept through a decent portion of it, but, um, I saw, um, there were certain scenes that I saw three times and I mm. like, I would see difference, especially knowing what the outcome of the, the movie was going to be because, um, you know, initially the first time I watched it, I legit thought that she was falling for him and like that, like this was going to be a legitimate love triangle. Wow. Um, and like, uh, that could be because I was a little sleepy and maybe I wasn't picking up everything. <laughs> but also, like, I do think that that, like, she she was selling the performance pretty well there. Um, so, uh, you know, like, twists that are supposed to be twists, like, a lot of times you see them coming a mile away. And, like, yeah, you know, you kind of expect, you know, like, a, a decent amount of double crossing in, in these movies and everything. But um, I thought she sold all her stuff really well, especially after he kills Leon and she come and he, he goes to her, uh, her Dude, room to her hotel room. Like, yeah. I wanted to talk about that like, too. Ooh. Yeah. And she kind of just like flips on the light and she like, she doesn't say anything and like lets him sweat it outside. Like that was so good. The way that was done. That was fantastic. I loved that scene. I like the fact that she, like she know, and she has, she holds so much power okay. and she's like reveling in that power letting him just like stew in what he just did outside. And she just got her hands clean inside, just chilling. And I'm like, wow, yeah, <laughs> she is diabolical. It's pretty yeah. great. But pretty at the great. same time, she has her own moments of like, you know, like, like Kareen, Kareen, think, like at the beginning of the movie, like he thinks he's it. 
and until oh, he man. like you know meets his yeah. match with her. But same thing, she's like riding high the whole time until she gets in that little room and the, the mm. lawyer dude's reading the thing. She's like, wait, what do you mean that you like both of us? <laughs> and she kind of freaks out a little bit. Yeah, she freaks um, out big yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, that was crazy. So. You know, like, and that's the thing with, 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 um, with a lot of noirs that, you know, like, yeah, like they're, you know, they keep making these bad decisions and like, they think everything is going to be fine until it's not fine. And, uh, <laughs> you know, like it all leads to the, the ending that it leads to. So, yeah, I, I just, I thought it was a lot of fun, like them going yeah. back and forth and like, and how I like, they each kind of like, they're basically the same thing. Right. But like Kareem thinks he's like, she's so despicable for like the way she like <laughs> you know like fonds her husband and stuff like yeah. that and then vice versa like she thinks like he's you know like the worst because of the way that he, you know like they're exactly the same thing like yeah. the things they don't like about each other are like the, the exact same and it's funny because i know people like that that complain about you know like not liking aspects of other people that are like are totally within their character too but they don't recognize <laughs> it like so i just i really dug that bit of writing in the way that the, those two form the characters yeah man so, yeah yeah, that was that was. I mean, I think I think it's incredible. I really, really like um, how she's portrayed. I also like um, the acting from Arturo de Cordova, um, especially like after he's done the deed and he's like killed that one fool. What's that fool's name? Uh, Leon. Leon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, after he's killed him, he's like totally distraught. And uh, the American just comes in and is like, hey, <laughs> my car is all fucked. Um, and he's just like totally dazed. And like he doesn't know what to do. He calls Ada. She doesn't answer. Goes to her room. Doesn't answer. He's just like freaking out. Because like I think he finally like went down the descent where he thinks like he himself is now dead. Um, where he says something. Uh, what is he says? Tal vez matar es morir uno mismo. Which is translated to maybe killing is is dying oneself. Is like once you kill, you're done. You know, like that's that's it. Like once you can take someone else's life, um, it's over. And like for him, it's over, dude. Like he he's just like it eats him alive, and you can see it like every single moment after he's done it. It's just uh, it's beautifully done. It's beautifully done. Um. Especially the the scene where like the cop is there, and he's like, and he's like, yeah. "What's up, y'all? <laughs> like, let me help you with that flat tire." Which also nicest cop ever, I guess. Right. Just like, hey, let me just help you with this flat tire. Yeah. Um, the fifties were uh, different. Yeah, yeah, they were different. <laughs> and then, uh, and then Ala just like totally just throwing herself on the motorcycle. <laughs> that was wild. Um, yeah, I just thought uh, I thought it was great. I thought the acting was really, really great. Uh, specifically post-murder. I thought that was pretty great. I really liked how everyone was just kind of on edge. Um, even though Ada was like way more like calm and collected about it, of course, until she realizes, oh, snap, he's got to go sign this paper too. Um, oh. Yeah, wild, wild stuff, wild stuff. Um, one other thing that I did want to talk about was um, the production design and the cinematography cinematography oh. I think is kind of obvious, especially with a lot of noirs um, with the use of shadows and like um, it's always really well done. At least like, you know, these noirs that are like have survived the test of time, but uh, the production design in this is amazing. Like one of the, like, well, first of all, Karin's like office. Yeah. And like when you see like the, the arena that he's built to like, like build this, um, this like this lie basically it's amazing it looks amazing i really really liked it i wish i could have seen that in color because yeah. i bet it would have looked like super ornate super divine i really like that i really really like that and the other one that i also wanted to shout out was um specifically the morgue when he's like descending down yeah. descending 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 into the morgue i thought wow this is absolutely outstanding production design i just couldn't believe it i couldn't believe like I mean, I've been to a studio Churubusco, hard flex, you know, but like uh, um, I saw their stages and their stages are humongous. Like, I mean, of course, all sound stages, I'm assuming um, from big production companies are really large. Um, but like seeing it in action, like in being inside the room of where it probably happened and then like seeing it and how crazy it looked, 
for him to be like totally descending down, almost like descending down into hell, honestly, um, into into that morgue. Outstanding. I loved it. I was like shook with how amazing the production design was. Anyone else want to touch on the production design? All I know is one day I'm going to throw a party at my home and mm. I'm not going to be anywhere to be found, but there is going to be a huge portrait of me on the wall <laughs> oh, man. and it's going to slide to the side and I'm going to be standing behind it in the same pose in the same outfit and it's going to be the most <laughs> baller thing ever. Amazing. Like, <laughs> this, this dude is a scumbag, but that, that was, that was pretty cool. He's got like, style. I, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Scumbag's got style. It's amazing. I really, really loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, that, that shot that you mentioned, Ismail, of him descending into uh, into hell, that, that's yep. fantastic, yep. dude. Fantastic mm-hmm. stuff, for sure. Yep. Um, the other shot that I actually thought of, too, and it reminded me of a line that he said earlier in the film where I, I, I forgot to write down the Spanish, but basically he says, what happens inside of me may as well happen in real life. And that is like another, like, there's just quotes all throughout this that are just like, yep, that's film noir, that's film noir. And that's ba- basically there with that quote, he might as well be describing the style of, of film noir, because oftentimes in the films of film noir, it's it's very stylized, and it's like low-key lighting, and, and chiaroscuro lighting is what it's supposedly called, if you want to be fancier. Um, and, uh, and oftentimes the style is, it was used to to hide certain items, uh, you know, to hide the production because typically these were like mm. B films that were usually made. Um, but it also, in a way, kind of the the style that you see in film noir and the lighting that's used is oftentimes kind of like a a depiction of like what's happening inside of the character itself. And one of the shots that I thought was freaking brilliant was the one where they have that meetup at the the at the house, Leon and. Um, Oh my God. and you see kind of like eventually they kind of separate right as soon as they they think that something you know one of them's going to try to shoot the other and you get that shot of like the bars in front of each of them and it's basically like two oh, caged yeah. animals that yeah. ada has now trapped inside of this house and i thought that that was brilliantly shot like when i saw that i was like bill noir 100 and it kind of just goes to show you kind of like how at that moment, both of them kind of feel. Um, so I, I thought that that was, that was great to kind of get like a little insight into their psychology, I guess, um, during yeah. that scene. Very cool. I also like the sequence, you know, we're, I think we've, we've all talked a bit about how we're fans of the use of reflection and, and things and the, the yeah. sequence, um, between, uh, it and, and, um, and Kareem in his like office or whatever with the mirror when she's got the gun. Oh um, yes, you know, love she's, you know, that. She's pointing his back and he's like taunting her. He's like, "Go ahead, shoot it." You know, do it. Um, I dare you. And she just yeah. shoots his mirror. Oh um, my god. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then and then Clara later finding the yeah the gun and the shattered mirror too. It's a nice reveal. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely delicious reveals, dude. I think that's what I would uh, call just like, I guess all noirs, just like totally delicious. Like it just feels good to be like in one of these movies, not be in it, participating in it, but just checking it out, you know, of course. Uh-huh. Um, it just feels nice, you know, it feels, feels musty, dusty, but cozy. And just like, let's see what plays out. And yeah, man. Yeah. I always think it's hilarious how like, you know, like it came out of basically trying to, like I said, like, trying to hide these like production flaws but really what they did is like create a style that you're just completely enamored by like it's insane like how basically out of nothing you can create something like this you know yeah well yeah it's like you know limitations often read creativity you know it's like the whole jaws thing you know the shark was supposed to be in it so much more but you know because Mm -hmm. the shark didn't work he had to you know get a little bit more creative and that's really what makes the movie if the shark was in it all the time, like, you know, there's no way it would be as good as it is. So, you know, and the same thing can be said for stuff like this. I think it's just great. I think it's fantastic. Um, cool, cool, cool. All right. So, um, Guti, why don't we go ahead and start off with you uh, for your final thoughts and your rating for En La Palma de Tu Mano. Yeah. So before I give the rating, I do have a couple more things I wanted to add. 
Um, but this kind of goes into the production design that we were just talking about. Um, mm -hmm. So we do get that shot of kind of like the outside of his office, too. Um, where it says, Conozco oh, su yeah. pasado, domino su presente, su presente revelo su provenir, um, which in English, I know your past, I dominate your present, I reveal your future. Uh, and I think that that's just hilarious and kind of the irony that you find throughout the film of how, like, you know, he says that he can do this, but he can't even read his own future. <laughs> yeah. He ends up in the traps that he does end up in. So I thought that was great. And then the other one, too, when they were by the waterfall, um, with uh and he's with Ada and Ada asks him like are you a sadist and he's like no and I'm just like all I can think to myself is like really dude you, you keep playing with fire like you literally keep going back to this girl <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's making yeah. you do all these terrible things or not yet but at least she's getting you to the point where you're you're gonna do something that you really can't come back from um so I, I thought that that was great and I love how those kind of like tints of irony come throughout and uh, then for one of the one of the parts that I thought was also hilarious um, and was very ironic was when he when she comes down the stairs and she's begging him like, hey, come like come dig up the body with me. Like, I can't do it by myself. I can't look at the body. But then later on in the towards the back half of the film, like she's able to go down there to identify the body. Right. But he can't. Right. He you know, I'll tell you everything. Yada, yada, yada. So again, another nice little touch of irony that i uh that i love throughout the film but uh but yeah like i mentioned watching this it was literally like i have like a checklist of like these are all the characteristics and archetypes of like film noir and i was just like checkbox 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 like it, it just had everything and anything that you can think of when it comes to comes to the style and and kind of what's been studied and and kind of is throughout all these films. Um, and so for that part, I really, really freaking enjoyed it. Um, I thought the performances were great. Cinematography, like we talked about also fantastic. The only thing, the only thing that I, that I have a reservation about this film is I did kind of feel it's runtime. I felt like maybe it could have, you know, cut some bits and pieces of it out. Um, but other than that, I, I think this is a fantastic film highly recommend it to anyone um whoever asks me you know they want to watch some cine negro right get some some flavor from outside of the united states uh this definitely will be at the top of that list so for me i'm at four stars mm, mm, mm. four stars from guti um yeah man i mean i think it's i think it's awesome i also think that it's really funny how he like for sure does not know like anything to do with fortune telling but i think it's so interesting that he goes to to like the fortune telling birds, you know what I mean? <laughs> like he goes and gets like those two fortunes, um, for him and and for uh, what's your face for Clara. Um, I think it's kind of I think it's kind of like silly but sweet, uh, and just like kind of pathetic. Also, <laughs> I don't know. I just think it's a uh, kind of crazy. But um, yeah, yeah, great point, great point on that, Guti. Ron, your final thoughts and rating for in La Palma de tu Mano. Um. Hmm. Those waterfalls are awesome. Um, mm. I I would like to visit wherever that is at some point. <laughs> yeah. uh, that that was uh, that was a really cool shot. Um, uh, the only other thing is uh, how I almost got away with it. Um, and like that's you know like it, the, you know the the cop even said like it was the perfect crime. Yeah, um, except for like, when you told us. <laughs> yeah, um, and like I I don't know like. I feel like some of it was like, a, like the storytelling was a little convenient in places. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, I mean, that's, that's fine. You know, like I love silly comic book movies, so like I can spend my disbelief a little bit to, to sell the story. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just like, I, like I said, I, I dig stuff like that. where like, you know, like so close, you know, yet, yet so far away. And, um, Arturo's performance, um, is, so fantastic in this mm -hmm. um, and uh i'm i'm not surprised that uh, you know he he won um the, the audio for it because uh again i watched it three times and he's he's a very very complex character and i think like you know we all kind of said like, oh he's you know like he's he's a scumbag and stuff and he is but like he's multifaceted like he's a real human being he's not just like a mustache twirling villain you know um i do think that like um at some point he cared about but uh, I, you know, I just think he cared more about himself yeah. and like, you know, I don't think that he was like trying to ruin anyone's day, 
I just think that he was more interested in like improving his own thing, you know? Um, and like, especially at the end where like he has those moments with, with Clint and I, like when she confronts him and everything and he like, you know, he talks about how, um, like, uh, I forget what the lines are, but basically like how, like, you know, like there's, there's real like remorse in, in what he's saying. Like, it's not a bit, mm -hmm. you know, like he's like, he does do a lot of gaslighting of a lot of people in this movie, <laughs> yeah. but like, that's authentic. Like you can tell that that's, that that's real. Like, um, the conversation that he's having with her and he really does like, like there is a moment of, of self-reflection where he's like, you know what, this, this isn't the person that I want to be. Like, this is who I am. And I don't really know how to not be this person, but like, yeah, I, it's not what I want to be. It's not what I set out to be in life, you know. And I like little things like that. And a lot of it has to do with his performance selling it. Um, I um, yeah, first time I watched this, I watched it with my my wife, and um, she was not a happy camper. Oh uh, no, she, you know, <laughs> Liz, sorry. Yeah, um, she she does not like, you know, she like after it was over, she's like, can we watch something like where people are nice to each other after this? We can watch, <laughs> we watch ten things I hate about you. Um, so like, I, and, and like, and I like, I like happy movies. I like optimistic superhero movies, you know, like I love Lord of the Rings and, and, and stuff, but, um, I'm fascinated by how every single one of us had, like has the potential for like, for darkness in us. Um, and I think that this movie does a really, really good job of, uh, of displaying that. Um, and if anyone asks me like, Hey, like, do you want to recommend a noir that's like not for the United States? This is one of the first ones that I'll probably recommend. I'm five stars for this. Ooh, shit. Five stars from Ron? Yeah. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Wow. <laughs> That's kind of crazy. Oh, I did not see that coming. I did not see that coming whatsoever. Neither um, did I on the first watch. Like, I gotta be honest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's something to be said for rewatching things and having it a girl It just took you, three you know? times, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just took three times, two naps, one rating, five stars. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, oh, man, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, okay, so for me, I thought it was hilarious that he ripped up the check just because he wanted cash. Cutting, uh, <laughs> come on, dude. <laughs> like, I know you're in the cash economy, bro, but chill out. <laughs> Money's money. Um uh, I thought it was very interesting that Carmelita's son was in San Diego. I was like, "Well, um, yeah, oh, yeah, look yeah, at yeah. that, look at that." <laughs> yeah. San Diego, California. Shout out, shout out, Carmelita's son, R.I.P. Um, yeah, I talked about how the writing is like really eloquent and like full of pomp. And um, the last line that I'd want to say is um, when Karin says, "Empieza un nuevo acto de la comedia donde no estás tú," it's basically, and he says that's translated to. I'm starting a new act of this comedy um, that does not involve you, like that, that does not have you. Um, comedy, not in like the regular sense, but comedy, like you know, like a like a play is a comedy, like Shakespeare comedy, um, tragic comedy. So yeah, Karin, that was crazy. Good, good stuff. Good line readings, I should say. Um, also, the Karin double bluff on Anna, and he's like, "Hey, how about we just, <laughs> how about we just go up against Anna?" Then he murders, then he confesses, then the double bluff from uh, the director, Roberto Gabaldon, of like, oh, that's uh, actually not the body you're going to go look at. This is another body. Um, great. Really great. Really great. I loved it. I loved the, the double crossing, um, the potential double crosses and the double bluff from uh, Gabaldon. Great stuff. I do think that this uh, could have the subtitle of this is the folly of greedy, horny men because uh, dude was just a greedy, horny guy and uh, just could not help himself, you know, from that greed. Um, and then uh, last two things that I want to say is one of the cinematography shots of where he's walking down the stairs into the bar and there's these huge curtains blowing in the wind with the moon shining through. I thought that looked absolutely gorgeous um and then lastly the the acting of like uh the crazed eyes that they have their eyes are so crazy um uh from both arturo de cordoba and from leticia um from leticia palma so i think both of them just do a really great job in their acting performances um i had a great time 
but uh, I don't know if it's like up to the five stars for me. Um, so I'm going to go with like four stars. I had a great time though. I really liked it. And um, I do want to catch more of Roberto Gavaldon's um, uh, Cine Negro. I've already watched Macario, obviously, with y'all. Um, I checked out Diaz de Otoño. I highly recommend y'all check that one out. But a friend of the show, Nathan, has recommended to me La Otra and also uh, La Diosa, <coughs> excuse me, La Diosa Arro Arrodillera, which is the kneeling goddess. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I really got to check, check out more of Roberto Gabaldon. I think he might be like one of my favorite directors, one of my favorite um, Mexican directors. He's really great. I really love him and like the things that he's done. So, yeah, um, I, yeah, I don't know uh, what you call it. Uh, I don't know if you saw, but like uh, we, so in the, in the well, we I watched La Otra not too not too long ago, and and mm -hmm. if you like the cinematography in this, you're a hundred percent gonna like the cinematography yeah. in La Otra because La Otra I took at least like a hundred screenshots. They're just saying like, <laughs> you know, right now <laughs> that link, like it was insane. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, definitely go check that one out. Yeah, sure. la otra. La otra. I gotta go check that one out. Um, so yeah, I'm at four stars for um for En la Palma de Tu Mano. Eh, yo estoy en la palma de esta mano de la película. I really had a great time. Really liked it. Um, so yeah, good, good show. Good show, y'all. Um, um we do not have any correspondence this week, but if you would like, please send us an email to reallatinos at gmail.com. That's R-E-E-L-L-A-T-I-N-O-S at gmail.com. Um, but you could also tag your letterbox reviews with Real Latinos. Um, with a space, without a space, that's fine. We'll check both. But um, Nathan, Nathan Gwynn, a uh, friend of the show, has um, tagged his review with Real Latinos for this movie, for La Palma Tubano. And his five-star review is as follows. Leticia Palma steals the show every time she's on screen. And uh, Nathan, I cannot agree more. She's fantastic in this. She absolutely knows how to captivate the audience. I really, really enjoy it. Uh, so thank you so much, Nathan, for reviewing and for tagging your review with Real Latinos. We highly appreciate it. You're the best. So that brings us into our next week's episode. We are going to be covering a movie that I think has been a long time coming for the show. The director, Alejandro González Iñárritu. Uh, we've covered his uh, newest film, Bardo. And in that movie, in that review, I talked about how he basically directed... One of my favorite movies of all time, if not my favorite movie of all time. And the synopsis is as follows. A fading actor, best known for his portrayal of a popular superhero, attempts to mount a comeback by appearing in a Broadway play. As opening night approaches, his attempts to become more altruistic, rebuild his career, and reconnect with friends and family prove more difficult than expected. Next week... We're going to be covering Birdman, or the unexpected virtue of ignorance. Woo! It's going to be a great episode. Um, and actually, we're going to have some special guests. I can't really give away too much, but it's going to be pretty groovy, baby. Yeah, baby, yeah. So uh, watch out for next week. Um, we're very excited for this. I know I'm excited for this. Um, I've been uh, looking forward to talking about this movie for a long, long time. Um, I watched it earlier this year with Jackie and she loved it. Five stars. Um, I wonder what I'm going to give it. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens next week when we cover Birdman. Um, uh, so Guti, where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, you can find me over at my Substack newsletter where I celebrate uh, classic films of yesteryear, uh, spotlighting some of my favorite players and directors and general updates on physical media. As far as all things classic film goes, you can find me at Finite Cinema Dreams. Right now we're, we're hosting a, a noir maze in our Discord, and this film was a part of that noir maze. Uh, so if you want to continue the conversation, join our loving community. Um, please find me on Substack and I'll be sure to uh, give you the invite. Uh, you can also find me on Letterboxd, Instagram, Twitter. The links are all there. 
Yeah, it gives good recommendations on uh, what to buy in the Criterion sale too. So <laughs> thank you, thank you, Ron. <laughs> check thank that you, out. Ron. I, Bless you. <laughs> I, I added a couple things to my shopping cart. <laughs> I, I try to go with the deeper cuts because you know everyone knows about the double indemnity indemnities, the noir alleys, or noir alleys. Nightmare, Nightmare alleys. <laughs> Anyways, so yeah, I, I try to go with a little bit of a deeper cut, um, at least films that I love that not that many people talk about, uh, except maybe Night in the City is kind of obvious, but uh, please go check it out. Uh, it's, it's a fantastic list. Great. Ron, where can people find you on the internet? I'm on Letterboxd at Ron Jimenez. And you can find me on Letterboxd with my initials IVM. That's IV as in videos, M as in movies. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us for yet another wonderful episode of Real Latinos. Los queremos muchísimo. Nos vemos hasta la próxima y adiós. 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 Real Latinos is a podcast written, produced, and hosted by Christian Gutierrez, Ron Jimenez, and Ismael Villarreal. Mixed and edited by Ron Jimenez. Artwork provided by Lizbeth Jimenez, Ron Jimenez, and Ismael Villar Bonina. Original music provided by Toro Romata. Muchas gracias y hasta la próxima.